Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, you fabulous interior design professional. Look at you. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to Business of Design, episode 187, Copy That, with two amazing professionals whose careers I have admired for a long time, Margot Austin and Hilary Smythe. You will meet them shortly, and I'll tell you a little bit about what they do and how I know them. So back in the day, we're talking mid-90s, I had graduated from interior design school, I had two young children. I had a career in television as an interior design professional, and I had clients. The TV thing was going great, the client thing, not so much. In fact, that was so true. At one point, I came very close to quitting taking clients on and just being an expert on TV. But of course, how could you possibly be an expert in this job if you haven't done it, right? If I want to learn how to perform surgery... I'm going to study from someone who's actually done some operations. So anyway, I was really lucky because I had this TV show happening and uh, I had access then to all kinds of different media, including the interior design magazines. And one of the magazines in Canada, Style at Home, offered me a great side hustle as decorating editor. So I had this opportunity to work inside what was at that time Canada's largest decorating and home design shelter magazine. I got to work with the art director and learn how to style spaces for photography, which taught me so much in terms of how I would in future go forward to style my clients' homes. I wrote a monthly column and I got to work with editors who taught me how to write. It really was an education and such a wonderful part of my life and my story and I'm so grateful for everything I learned there. So enter Margot and Hillary. Margot and I worked together at Style at Home for a brief while, but she also went on to work at House and Home as well as Canadian Living. Those are three huge magazines in Canada. Margot became the person to go to to create compelling interior design stories. That's been her focus for a couple of decades She is an interiors stylist, and we'll have her back on the show to speak specifically to what that is on another episode, and she is also a writer and a social media insider. Hillary also worked in magazines and publishing. She worked at House and Home for 20 years, and it's such an exacting eye that magazine has, and she was a big part of the reason it's been so successful for so many years. And then subsequently, she went on to become the PR manager for HomeSense. So Hillary is grounded in great strategy. She's a writer and someone who project manages photo shoots, but always interior design, real specialists. I was thrilled these two joined forces. It made total sense to me when they created Austin Smythe Communications. They work exclusively with interior design professionals By helping us to define and advance our brand profiles. More specifically, they tackle the words 
on the page and help us create a brand voice that will appeal to the client we want to work with now and in the future. And in addition, because of Margot's styling background, they also style photo shoots. We have lots of amazing guests on this podcast. Often I can't personally recommend their services, but in this case, I can tell you wholeheartedly, these are two professionals who do really great work and they know what they're talking about. So I was excited to have this conversation. Episode 187, copy that with Margot Austin and Hillary Smythe. We will provide all of their contact information for you in the show notes at Business of Design, as well as a rundown of the major points they're going to hit during this episode. I don't know if you even know that. If you've never looked at our podcast episode notes, that's an education right there. So what the heck are we going to talk about on this episode? Well, I am going to distract everybody by talking about some of my pet peeves. I think I'm going to come off in this episode as being super old and crotchety, and I guess that's cool. You've known me long enough. You've seen all sides of my character. That seems fair. The conversation about pet peeves had me thinking of this plaque I saw for a desk that said, I am silently correcting your grammar. I thought that was hilarious. Fortunately, Margot and Hillary keep us on track, and they did get down to business. And we talked about how to create precise, compelling copy that speaks directly to the clients we want to work with. The right brand voice establishes you as an authority in your lane. Conversely, poor writing, bad grammar, meandering sentences that don't go anywhere may in fact be a turnoff to the very clients you want to work with. Lots of good stuff in this episode, including my heartfelt wishes that you're doing great, that your business is thriving, that you feel energized and excited about projects that are currently in your pipeline, that your family and friends are well, and that you woke up this morning and said, man, I am so glad I decided to go into interior design because this is what I was meant to do. Most days I feel like that. Some days I think it would be great to work at Starbucks. Know what I mean? Wherever you are in the continuum, come as you are. We're glad you're here. Let's hear some quick announcements. We'll find out what's happening at Business of Design. Hi, I'm Macy. My mom is super busy working at the new site for Business of Design, but she asked me to remind all the Business of Design members that this week is the last week for Business of Design's five-phase recovery program. Phase five, thrive. Join us on Wednesday, September 16th at 1 p.m. EST. Registration is open. Head to businessofdesign.com. Bye. Oh my gosh, that's about the cutest thing I've ever heard. Oh, Macy is going to be running things before you know it. Thanks for the announcements, Macy. Now go help your mom. I know she's totally busy these days. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. 
We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. For independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. And now, back to the show. I was really happy to get these two on the show. First of all, I've known them a long time. I've admired their careers. I've watched the trajectory as they've taken over the publishing world. And it just totally makes sense that you guys have joined forces to work with interior designers in terms of copy editing and styling and all those wonderful things I talked about during your introduction. So nice to see you, Hillary. Nice to see you, Margot. Nice to see you. There is so much to talk about. Do we start with the rules, what to do, or do we start with some pet peeves? I kind of am really excited to talk about pet peeves, but maybe we should save that a little bit. And why don't you guys start with some of the things we should be considering before we hit post or before we update our websites? Right. Um, shall I jump in, Margo? And then yeah, Hillary's got some great tips for helping people get started in the process of writing. Yeah, because writing is daunting. Um, I, I do uh, my share of the writing for Austin Smythe Communications, and you know, oftentimes I'm, you know, texting Margo uh, at some wee hour saying, "Oh, yeah, God, writer's block. It's not easy. It's a fact. Even if you're a journalist, even if you've been a writer." writing for magazines for 25 years plus. <laughs> I hear you. And since I know I'm dealing with a couple of pros, I do not want to be accused of burying the lead. So I'm just going to ask you right off the top to give us an overview, if you will, of the main points we need to keep in mind as we're creating that copy for all of our business collaterals. So first of all, most importantly, keep it simple. Use simple text and language and words that are simple to use and understand. That means short sentences and simple words. Be consistent, be consistent across all of your platforms and from one section over the other to your website. Um, It's important for your text to be a little bit lighthearted because we are in a creative realm here, but do keep it still business-like. And certainly you can be more lighthearted on on social media platforms Mm -hmm. than on a website. And even a little bit lighthearted in sort of um, like if you're doing email newsletters, um, because it's important for those pieces of text to be pithy um, and um, a little bit more entertaining than informative. So you can be lighthearted, but again, not juvenile. And one of the other points from our journalism background is to front load and don't bury the lead. So make sure that your opening sentences for anything you write uh, are going to be right to the point of what you're talking about. And then lastly, back to the point of tailoring your content to suit the platform that you're writing for. So again, websites tend to be a little bit more formal and straight ahead Instagram, other social media platforms tend to be a little more casual, um, and e-newsletters should be grabby and entertaining, but also correct and concise. And not too long. 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> Keep it brief. Yes. So how do we uncover then or discover our brand voice? How do we do that? What it requires is you to really sit down and think hard about what you do, what is special about your brand, and who is my client. And so we've done webinars in the past where we've provided worksheets for people to kind of, you know, sit down with the homework and really take time to identify these very four important aspects of any brand, right? And then once you've identified that and, and writing with pen and paper, putting you know pen to paper is still a time-honored technique to really you know, hone and drill down right to, to your brand and what you want to put out there and ultimately um, how you want to appeal to potential clients. This is something that you know, takes time and over time, you, you start to reveal... Um, phrases or words that reappear time and again and you start realizing oh yeah this does pertain to me this is a word or this is a phrase that you know I should really incorporate into my brand language but that's sort of phase one is taking the time to write down and you know take a good look at yourself and your offerings and and know your audience don't you think it's so hard to be objective? Like, I think this is a process that could be helped so much by hiring a professional because as somebody who's worked for myself since I was 14 years old, I have this tendency to think that I want all the jobs and therefore it's hard for me to edit myself and narrow my position. And that's really important if I'm actually going to appeal to anybody. For sure. And I'll just say one last thing on that. Like, there, there is virtue in really being niche, right? And really kind of cutting down to the chase and not trying to be all things to all people. This might be jumping the gun on your pet peeves <laughs> section that we'll Maybe, talk about yeah. later. But, um, but sometimes when we get, when um, someone gets kind of into the task of writing about oneself, you, you can sort of err on the side of... Um, wanting to make things sound so much fancier and um I don't know there's tends to be a a desire to put in flowery language and and really our motto is always to keep the language simple and straightforward so Mm -hmm. there is a tendency to string together as many adjectives as possible you know and until finally the sentence reads modern traditional with a twist fresh but you know and it's you know then you look at that if you look at a sentence like that and break it down you just think to yourself well how do these words actually fit together like this let's be direct yeah so adjective pile up I would say is a big problem I also really you know and I'm old school right so I was I was trained old school but I try to avoid very really super duper yeah (laughs) unique unique no 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 I have to just call it out right here very unique okay that just makes me crazy (laughs) no it cannot be very unique it's either unique or it's not unique but it cannot be very unique now I really sound like an old lady that makes me feel like a really old lady saying stuff like that now you sound like a journalism professor right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes well to get into grammar if if you if you're going to have a voice of authority then 
for sure, having sentences that are grammatically correct is going to be a pretty important part of setting out you as an expert in this and having authority and being a, you know, a detail-oriented business person. Just a plain professional. And so much depends on who you're speaking to. Who is your ideal client? Is your ideal client a professional woman or man who is going to be aware of grammar and punctuation or mm-hmm. not? You know, maybe not. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe I'm, I really, you know, maybe I am really old and stuffy and it doesn't matter at all. But I, I think it does. I recently helped coach someone who hired a company to produce a magazine flyer for her for marketing purposes. And you guys have probably seen a thousand of these and so have I. And first of all, it was just atrocious. The art direction was just terrible, but there were spelling errors and grammar errors. And then my favorite was a list of five reasons why you should hire this person. Number one, two, three, and five. They just missed four. I'm oh like, my God. you paid someone to do this for you? Like, oh my gosh, let me have it. So it, it's, it really is an art. And no, we're not going to hire someone to produce every single word that we write. But if you did, for example, hire someone to get your website language right, and then you repeated those key phrases and words in your post, that could even be helpful, right? For sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. And the other thing is just while we're on our grammar high horse is that we can be, um, you know, grammar and language is fluid, right? So there are some, some journalism rules that we definitely work to because that's our roots. Our roots are in writing and journalism and there are some great rules there that sort of, you know, they're meant for clarity. It's not meant to be, you know, I'm correct and you're incorrect. It's not meant to be like a superiority complex. It's meant for clarity and simplicity. So we do follow those basic rules. But again, yes, when you set that, you can set a great foundation of correct copy for your website and then give it a little bit of a more fluid or more casual spin when you're writing on Instagram, for instance. You can go with more partial sentences or some of the lingo that's used on Instagram, some of the little expressions. Um, Having um, a sense of of what's happening as far as that language goes can help you seem more involved in each of those platforms if you're getting it right. And if you're, it helps you build your community by making you, um, you know, showing that you are sensitive to, you know, how things are done in different places. But the thing about it is, um, it's just never wrong to be correct. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you can be fluid and, and, and you know, use lingo on Instagram, but it's not wrong to be right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, well, one of the things that Margot and I have, have spoken about, just between the two of us when we're getting into this, is how important when you are, um, in particular with your website, is that you are using language that your client will understand, not you know over the top fancy design speak. Because if if they can't understand the, you know the long sentences, it does nobody any good. Yeah, for sure. Um, shorter sentences and fewer sentences that have a parenthesis lead in uh, are some great tips. And also, um, what I call front loading your. Um, content, which means 
um, or in journalism speak, it's don't bury the lead. Because if you're trying to say something, don't meander to the point to try and set it up. Say the point first. I am a designer of dynamic family homes filled with color and great organization solutions. Then tell the story of how you get there. So it's like, don't tell the whole story and then get to the sentence about what you are. Start right. with the affirmative. Um, and that goes for almost any platform. Like for instance, on Instagram, your first um, hundred characters are your most important characters. And on any other platform, it's a great tip to think about it this way, which is if I'm writing something that's uh, a paragraph long, and if I have a person who's only gonna read the first sentence in the paragraph, deliver enough information in that first sentence that if they don't go further, they still have some good meat to take away. Mm -hmm. Because let's admit all of our attention spans are now at like that level. So <laughs> just, you know, be concise and front load your facts. And as you say, Margot, using the active voice, um, you gave an example there. I am, I do, right? Um, is, is always important and much more engaging as well. I mean, it, you know, it feels personal. Writing in the present tense and, and a few other little tips. I think we all know this in the back of our heads from writing essays in school. <laughs> Avoid repeating the same word in a single piece of writing. Thank goodness the thesaurus is so readily available. <laughs> An editor I worked with uh, for many years at the Toronto Star did me such a service. He said, before you submit your columns to me, I want you to read them out loud. And that helped me so much improve what I was trying to say, because I could even tell just reading it out loud to myself that I hadn't gotten to the point, for example, in a sentence, or that it was too complicated to get to where I needed to go that way. I had to find a different way to get there. So that I think is a really good way to find out if you're hitting the mark. Just read what you're writing out loud before you push send. For sure. Yeah, you, catch. And you also need some fresh eyes. Um, so if you are taking on some writing solo, you need someone else to see that. Um, and hopefully it's somebody who is either a copy editor, you know, even, even if they're writing. not, even yeah. if it's just another set of fresh eyes, um, that's really key because as you go into the process of writing, which Hillary spoke about earlier, you get deep into it and you're so close to it that sometimes you have trouble um, seeing the forest for the trees. <laughs> and so um, having those fresh eyes, like for instance, when we were putting together notes for this podcast, even um, I sent some notes to Hillary and she spotted a whole bunch of typos in what I had written. And, you know, we're both professionals and we've been doing this, yeah, for decades, but we're here as a team and we always work as a team with fresh eyes on each other. Like I'm more of a blurb writer. Hillary's more of a long form writer. Um, I spent years as a copy editor and a fact checker. So I have that like annoying detail <laughs> aspect. And so having um, someone with a fresh set of eyes is, is really key to making sure you're getting to the best possible copy. So tell me then, how do I make the most of my short Insta posts? Write your caption and tell your viewers something that they can't see with their eyes. So a caption should always tell something beyond what's there. Um, and that's how you make it valuable content. So don't just say this is a white kitchen and we added some black accents to make it more modern because they can see that. 
but what they might not know is it's Nero Marquino mar marble instead of granite or, you know what I mean? Like things that are added value. That is a really great way to always think about a caption and making it valuable. And isn't Instagram really just captioning? I mean, it's not, it's not narrative. It's more like you, you're just, that's all the time you have. We're out of time, folks. Well, it should be captioning, but <laughs> there's occasionally you read these posts that just, you know, go on and on and on. And like I was saying before, it's literally, I don't know, it's the first hundred characters or the first 35 characters or something are your most important. And after that, it's gravy. I mean, I have noticed a trend, particularly among design professionals, that Instagram posts are becoming like blog posts because I think a bunch of people discovered how to do the spacing in between to turn in, into paragraphs. But I got to tell you, like, no, just no. I'm not like I'm not reading it. Are you? I don't know. Like, I'm not reading it. I'm tuned out after the first sentence, and that's why front-loading your info is where you want to be. And if you want to communicate something that's that long, then boom, you're on Instagram. Turn it into a video because that's going to be your way better bet. And and something that you say, um, if you say those sentences. Um, there, it's going to be much quicker um, than someone having to read it, right? Yeah. So get familiar with all the different aspects of Instagram and use them. So if you want to say something quite a bit longer, then hop on a video or um, do an Instagram, um, like an IGTV or something like that. There, there are ways of, of using that tool and uh, to the best advantage of, to suit the message that you want to get across. So we want to mm -hmm. keep, keep the language simple and authentic, avoid adjective and adverb pile up. We haven't talked about exclamation marks, which I feel like could be like an entire one hour <laughs> podcast. I don't even know where to start because I have so many pet peeves when it comes to good copy mm -hmm. and social media has just unleashed a torrent of really bad copy and bad habits in terms of writing don't you guys think <laughs> indeed yes I think that's one of the biggest challenges each of the platforms can require a slightly different approach to writing copies so that can be an additional challenge can you go too far can you get too casual and then what is too far how do you know if you're there um I think that you have to um you have to kind of relate that to what is your um, your actual brand and what is it about? Like, is it about um, creating beautiful, formal, urban living spaces for sophisticated professionals? And, um, you know, like, you know, pied-a-terres or maybe their chalet um, in ski country, then, you know, don't go too casual because that doesn't reflect your client. Um, but if you are in the business of, you know, creating very fashion forward interiors that sort of um, are very Instagrammable and you have an active um, profile on TikTok and you're getting clients through that, then you're, you're in touch with a clientele that is speaking a different language. And so again, back to our previous point is like, it really comes down to how to best reflect yourself and your brand and how it connects with your uh, with your clientele. And so, yeah, the, the language should reflect the clients. 
Um, and so, yeah, too casual can definitely be a thing if, um, you know, like we wouldn't see someone like Victoria Hagen or Barbara Berry, you know, getting down with the peeps, like talking like crazy internet language. It's not appropriate for their brand. It always comes back to what is your brand and who are your clients? Are they casual? Are they cool, fun-loving people? Then speak their language. And, and that's a happier client-designer relationship as well. What do you do if you find yourself with photos um, that don't match who your target client is? How important, I guess, is it to, uh, what's the word, coordinate the words with the images? Yeah, definitely. That is um, one of our specialties too, that we bring to the table for our clients, because we are coming from a background of magazine journalism, which is really about um, words and pictures working together. And so certainly we've seen lots of designer websites where there's barely any copy at all, but the photos are you know, there's like 30 projects and the photos are spectacular and the styling's on point. When your portfolio is so well-developed, then you can probably get away with having less text um, because you're speaking a visual language. For most designers though, it's very important, particularly when you're building your portfolio, to have the language also in the words to help communicate what your vision is. And I think definitely if there are images that aren't where you want your business to go, unfortunately, you should take them off of your website. Um, if it's the styling that's not on point or if it's the photos that are of st a style that you've moved away from, you really should take them off of your website. And sometimes that may mean redesigning your website slightly or you may, uh, you may even find if you're taking your business in a totally different direction that you might take down your website and put it under construction and then have one glorious image that represents who you are right now or what you wanna be and put that as kind of a landing page with just uh, contact details and then work away on your website. And I would say you could even do that for up to maybe six months or even a year. I mean, I think it's better to have one incredible image and some contact details and a, and a value proposition, like one statement that talks about who you are, then a website that's dated with old photos and not up-to-date text. Okay, so many people would love the benefit of your services. So how do we find out how to work with Austin Smythe? Hello at austinsmythe.com. And Austin is A-U-S-T-I-N and Smythe is S-M-Y-T-H. So we are austinsmythe.com. We're uh, on Instagram. We're Austin Smythe Communications. So you can find us all those places. All right. And I shared my, my biggest pet peeve, which is very unique. Although close second place would be too many exclamation marks. I want to hear what your pet peeves are. Oh, man. <laughs> on the spot is right. Um, for me, I don't know. I, there's just too many that I come across. I don't know. Have I heard like modern traditional used as a way to describe um, somebody's style? It like I just don't get it. Again, you know. Um, and then, Hillary and I debate them all the time too, because I'm like, yeah, modern traditional. That's cool. I get it. That's Thomas O'Brien. I do get. I do get what they mean, and I've probably said it myself. But I, I know what you're saying too. It's really an updated 
it's tradition. It's an updated look at tradition. It's right. That's a mouthful. Yeah, though. modern so tradition. That. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hear. Yeah, you. and I mean, do you think that? I wonder about transitional. Do you think the the client understands what transitional is? To me, that's just a and, replacement and is, for the word eclectic. Eclectic used to mean like whatever. And now transitional, I think, right. means whatever. I think it's just a way <laughs> of people to justify whatever choices they make. Oh, it's transitional, meaning you can't check it. There's no fact checking. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I'm not yeah, a Yeah, there's fan. no... Yeah. So that's, that's another word that pops up a lot that I often think to myself, okay, Let's dig down and see and get just get more precise and really, you know, say what this is. Yeah. You know? Well, now um, there's absolutely nobody left listening to the podcast because in some way or when <laughs> some shape well, some way, shape, or form, we've offended them. I've offended them. I'm really sorry. I'm just crotchety and opinionated today. <laughs> it's a great Tuesday, man. It's we struggle. It's a struggle. It's all a struggle. We get it. We the get struggle it. is real. The struggle <laughs> is real. All right, you guys. Awesome to talk to you. And thank you so, so much for doing this. Oh, we loved it. Sorry. Thank you for the opportunity. It was great, Kimberly. Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.